New Species, the podcast where we talk to scientists about their discoveries of organisms that are new to science, but not necessarily new to nature. We talk to the authors of these studies to get behind-the-scenes stories, to talk about why these discoveries should matter to everyone, not just scientists, and to help people better understand the wonderful biodiversity of our planet. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash new species podcast. You're listening to New Species, the podcast where I talk to scientists about their discoveries of new species that they recently described. I'm your host, Brian Patrick, and today we're joined by Joseph Schubert, the Legacy Registration Officer for Entomology and Arachnology at Museums Victoria in Australia. He's here today to talk to us about his paper published on March 25th in Evolutionary Systematics. In this paper, he describes a new species of peacock spider from South Australia. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and we're very happy to have you on the podcast. And you're talking about a really amazing set of animals, particularly one new one that you've described. But a lot of people out there, I was surprised. I thought most people knew what peacock spiders are, but I just interviewed somebody a few weeks ago and they had no idea what we were talking about when I mentioned those. So can you help us, for people who may not know what they are, explain exactly what are peacock spiders? Yeah, sure. Um, So I like to describe them as tiny eight-legged kittens. They're really, really colorful and like to dance. Um, So they're a type of jumping spider. Um, They belong to the family Salticity and the genus Muratus. Um, So the males of these spiders are really, really small and really colorful. They perform courtship displays to females to impress them in order to mate, um, by which they raise their third pair of legs and their vibrantly colored abdomen and literally dance. Dancing around, shaking their, for for anybody who's out there trying to imagine it, shaking their spider butt and waving a pair of legs to try to impress a female, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, they are shaking their booties indeed. <laughs> and tell us a little bit, how, how big are these things? And, and you mentioned they're colorful. How Give us an idea of the coloration. Um, well, the size of them, I, I like to compare them to a grain of rice. They're, they range from two and a half to six or so millimeters, depending on the species. Um, and they come in a massive range of colors. So some of them are really vibrant blues and reds, some of them are green, and then some of them are actually quite a drab brown color. Um, but all of them perform these really cool courtship displays. And these were first noticed by me, and I think a lot of the world, when uh, another one of the peacock spider specialist, Jürgen Otto, did a video on these a few years ago, right? And people can find that. I'll post, put a link to that in the, in the episode notes. And you can actually see why they're called a peacock spider. What exactly specifically is it that got the attention of people to call them a peacock spider? Yeah, uh, Jürgen really um, captured them first and uh, brought brought their courtship displays to to the world's knowledge, which is really, really amazing. Um, I think Jürgen actually came up with the name peacock spider uh, with his colleague David Hill. Um, so I guess they could be compared to peacocks because of their courtship displays and really, really cool colors. But it's a little more than that, right? Don't they have something that a lot of spiders don't have? They have that little, some of the, not all the species, but some of the species have a little flap that pops up when they put the butt up in the air, right? Yeah, they do. Um, they have these things that we call lateral epistosomal flaps. So they're little flaps that fold underneath the abdomen. And then when they raise their abdomen, they sort of unfurl them um, on each side, which kind of expands the size of the fan and uh, shows off a whole lot more of the colors. The, that's where the analogy of peacock spider comes from, because it looks like the peacock fanning its tail. Yes, certainly. Yeah, really interesting spiders. 
Now, this new species you have doesn't do this. Is that correct? Yeah, that's It does correct. not have the, the flaps on the side. Yeah, so this species, um, it actually has quite a drab abdomen. Uh, it's just a sort of brownie color with white CT on it, um, and it has no epistosomal flaps. It also doesn't um, completely elevate its abdomen during its courtship display. It only vibrates it um, on the surface that it's standing on. And can the female detect that vibration? Does, does she know that he's there or is it just visual cue? Yes, certainly. Uh, so so these uh, these vibrations have been uh, studied by Maddie Girard and her colleagues. Um, and it actually makes a really audible sound um, when you're listening to it. So when I was filming the courtship display of this species, you can hear the, uh, the vibration on the leaf from the male's abdomen, which is really amazing. Oh, so is, so is, when it's vibrating, is it actually thumping then the substrate? It certainly is, yeah. So it's bouncing its butt on the on the leaves or whatever it's sitting on, right? Yes. <laughs> Why then? I, I think we're kind of getting there, and I think we've sort of talked about this. Why have these captured the public's imagination so much then? Because these are really big. You see the different museums around Australia and other places in the world even doing peacock spider displays where they have these like life-size kind of moving around ones that, that are they have like the, the big flaps on them and all of that. Why have they captured so much attention, do you think? Uh, well, I guess because uh, for spiders, they're very, very cute, which, which um, a lot of arachnophobes would be able to relate to more than they could like a, a larger, scarier hunt, spider, like a huntsman spider or a tarantula or something, for example. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're really, really adorable. And I think this has just captured the, uh, the public's attention. Yeah, I think so. They're, they're colorful, they're adorable, and they're because they're so small, like you said, like a grain of rice, they're not very threatening to most people. So we, we have a little bit of an idea of their mating, right? So they're going to be dancing around and, and the males then will be showing that. And the females, they don't have these extra parts to them, right? The the pistosomal flat, flaps. They just basically have a plain abdomen. Do they shake their booty at all for the male? Um, well, the females actually do have a rejection display. Um, so they sort of raise their abdomen and... Uh, wiggle it from side to side as if to say, no, I'm not very interested. Um, but they don't have these vibrant colors or the flaps or anything like that. So in other words, they're making the males work harder for all of the attention, right? Yes, they are indeed. <laughs> and what's their ecological role? So what are these things doing out in the wild? And let's talk about peacock spiders in general. We'll get to the specific one you're working on here shortly. Um, well, I guess the ecosystem roles that peacock spiders provide are similar to the role of uh, basically all spiders in that they help regulate insect populations through consumption. Um, they're active hunters and they eat a broad range of small invertebrates. Um, so I guess they play an important role in their ecosystems. But despite this, we don't really know very much about them ecologically. Um, we have to first form like a baseline understanding in order to make comments about their wider role ecologically. And um, as I'm sure you know, this requires a significant amount of work, um, like knowledge of their range, what they eat, who eats them, um, to make like network structures. And uh, we know not very much about them. Uh, we're still constantly finding new species, so it's hard to comment on that. Well, and that's fine. You, you actually kind of lead right into the next part of this. And you talk about we have to find out where they are and what they're doing. And the first part of that means we have to find them. So how did you find this particular new species? It's an interesting story you put in the paper. And what kind of collections techniques were used for this spider? Yeah, um, so I'm a member of a Facebook group that is dedicated to Australian jumping spiders. Um, 
And Cheryl Holiday, who's an ecological field officer, posted a photograph of a of this species and uh, asked for an identification. I saw it and I thought, oh wow, that looks like it's a, a brand new species that hasn't I've I've never even seen a photograph of it before. So I contacted her um, to see if she'd be willing to collect any specimens for me, and she obliged, which was really really lovely of her. Um, so I got some specimens in the post, which is uh, not the ordinary way of collecting. Uh, spider species um, but yeah it was fantastic I was able to take photographs of them while they're alive and document the courtship display um, yeah and where did how did do you know how she found them and, and tell us a little bit about the habitat she found them in that was unique as well right yeah I think she was doing uh, flora surveys um, so they were found in a really really strange habitat probably that I wouldn't have even thought of looking in um, so they were found in like an ephemeral wetland complex um, like a swampy sort of marshland, uh, on on marshland plants actually hanging above above uh, swampy waters. So um, basically, in the water they were found, which is really really remarkable for peacock spiders. And where are they typically found? Uh, I typically find them in drier bushland, sort of uh, eucalypt leaf litter. Um, I found them in the Mali, which is like a desert sort of habitat. Uh, and they can be found in coastal habitats, on succulent plants, and in heathland. So very, very strange. This one. Yeah. So, so hanging out right by the water in a in a swamp, and you you get to be the first one to find. Well, first one to put the name on that particular spider. Do you have any idea how Cheryl collected this thing? Was it just hand collected? Do you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she just hand collected it. So she went out and just tried to find. And and that's got to be a task given the size of these things, right? Just having to go out and just look for them by eye. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's that's probably the uh, the best way of, of finding them. I've tried to survey them uh, using pitfall traps before, but I, I didn't have an amazing amount of success. Um, with some species, you can use sweep nets, but I find searching by eye is probably the best method. You've done a number of new species descriptions for peacock spiders. What are so? Those are some of the techniques you've used before. What are some of the challenges you found finding them in the field? Uh, some of the challenges, um, well, one of them mainly is that they're quite seasonal. So the males will only typically be in color during, uh, Australia's springtime. Um, the rest of the year they're in their juvenile stages. They're very similar to females and that they're cryptic and, um, a drab sort of brown color. So you, you won't be able to identify what you've got until it is mature. So this leaves a very, very short window for when you're able to actually, uh, go out and survey for them. Um, and also they're quite fussy. <laughs> so some days you, you just don't find them depending on the conditions. Um, if it's too hot or if it's too cold or if it's too wet or too dry, they just won't be out. Um, so you really have to time it quite perfectly. You alluded to this a little bit earlier. So we, we have an idea of like how you're trying to find them, that sort of thing. And when you saw this particular picture, you said it struck you as possibly something new. Now, when you got the specimens, how did you decide it was actually a new spider? What specifically were you looking at? Well, it's actually really easy for peacock spider males because um, they can be distinguished entirely from their color patterns um, externally. So as I'm sure you know, with a lot of invertebrates, uh, it's only possible to tell them apart when looking at them under the microscope at um, microstructures like their genitalic structure um, and other structures. So... 
So with this one, I saw it had a really vibrant orange face um, and quite a boring looking abdomen, um, which is not something that I'd seen before um, in the genus Marada. So it was quite easy to tell this was something new. Okay, and then what about the females then? How could you, you tell that that was also new? I understand it was collected in the same place and you had a single female that you managed to get collected. What what specifically are you looking for on the female to help you decide that? This is a... Uh one of the problems that we have with Maravis females is that a lot of them are virtually indistinguishable. Um, so we've we've had a lot of people look at their genitalic structure, and it's it's very very diff it's very very difficult to find consistent differences between different species. We're up to ninety two species now, um, and most of the females have very very similar patterns and similar um, epigyne structure. So we usually determine conspecificity. Um, by association in the field. So if the males and the females are interacting and the males are courting the females, then we typically assume that they are the same species. So you're trying to look at the genitalia, basically, of these things, but you're saying that that's not really all that terribly useful. The best idea is to be able to capture them with the males that you have. So what if I go in the field and all, I don't know, I do beet sheeting, which is where you hit the vegetation, just explaining it to others, hit, you know, hit the vegetation and I get something that falls on it or I manage to spot something and I hand collect it, and all I get happen to be females that particular day, and that's the only day I'm there. Do I just kind of pray that I have the right thing, or is there are there other ways we might be able to differentiate them? Uh, well, determining on the low, depending on the locality, um, sometimes you're able to tell, and some females do have quite distinct uh, patterns. So, for example, uh, off the top of my head, Maratus tasmanicus. If I found a female of that species in the field, I would quite easily be able to tell who it is. Um, and, and these diagnoses are all provided um, in the recent descriptions of these animals. Um, but yeah, a lot of the earlier descriptions of them were very, very vague. So it's, it's very difficult to tell them apart. And I think, I think that is something that's going to need to be studied in more detail in the future. There were only, what did you say, previous to, to Jürgen and his collaborator, weren't there only like 26 or so known species? And since then, we've we've cranked up the number, or, or have I confused this? What tell us a little bit about this? Because I know in the recent history, the number of peacock spiders described has grown a lot. Yeah. So, um, in the last ten years, seventy-seven or seventy-eight of the ninety-two odd species uh, have been described. So, uh, a massive chunk of these have been by uh, Jürgen and David, um, and then also Julianne Waldock and Barbara Bear and Robert White have also contributed to these numbers. So, yeah, it's just it's absolutely skyrocketed. And I think this can be attributed to um, macro photography, um, being able to walk around with a, a camera in your pocket um, on your mobile phone at all times. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is why uh, why this number has grown so significantly recently. And you're alluding to the fact that it's not always scientists finding these, right? For example, uh, the person who found this particular new species, you were alerted to it via social media. What kind of impact do you think social media is having, not just on peacock spiders, but on invertebrate systematics in general? Yeah, I think it's having a massive impact. Um, there are so few taxonomists, and they can't be out everywhere looking at once. So to have um, thousands of eyes helping and posting photographs of things and uh, looking for us is really, really amazing and really helpful. When you are going through all of this, 92, is this all in a single genus? Yes. Uh, until very, very recently, there were a couple of genera. Um, 
So there was Muratus and Serratus, and more recently we've considered the genus that used to be called Hyperblemum as a member of the genus Muratus. Um, so a recent phylogenetic study have placed them all together, and all of these spiders uh, perform courtship displays um, and have very, very similar genitalic structure and uh, behavior. So uh, I think that's a fair uh, taxonomic assessment. And these are only found in Australia that we know of so far, right? Are they just on the mainland or do they also include Tasmania or any of the other surrounding islands? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so they're, they're definitely on Tasmania as well um, and a couple of the uh, other surrounding islands, but uh, only known from Australia so far. When you have 92 species, particularly when that many come up in a, in a short period of time, like 10 years, which maybe a lot of listeners don't know, but coming up with 70 some odd species in 10 years in a particular little group is is pretty amazing. That means that people are actually paying attention and working hard on it. The names have got to start get, getting interesting. The first few, you're like, oh, this is such a unique thing. I can name it interestingly. You actually managed to come up with a pretty unique name for the species. Tell us a little bit about that. What'd you name it and how did you come up with that name? Yeah, I thought I'd have a little bit of uh, fun with this one. Um, so this species has a really vibrant orange face with white stripes on it. Um, and a friend of mine actually said to me, oh, that looks like Nemo. And I thought, hang on a minute, why don't I just name the species Nemo? Um, so I did, and uh, here we are. So it looks just like a clownfish hanging out in a, in a sea anemone there, and uh, at least in the face, in the, in the pictures, and I'll try to put one of these up on, on Twitter with it as well. And you have some posted on Twitter as well. You're right, it really does definitely have the orange and white stripes that are very clownfish-like. What do you think the function of that is, besides just being attractive to the female? Do you think there's additional function to it, or...? Uh, just, I understand it's a guess because we don't know. Just I'm wondering what your thought on it might be. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure other than being, uh, other than being an attractive trait to a female. I, I, I wouldn't have any idea of any other potential function. Um, yeah, I, I guess one could think that it might be to uh, ward off predators, but um, in most stages of their lives, Peacock spider males are a drab sort of brown color, so this wouldn't really make sense. So on that same note, then that coloration, has anybody ever looked at these under, say, like UV light or anything like that? We know that, for example, when we look at plants under a UV, that they can have interesting patterns that we can't see with our eye, but other things can. Has anybody ever thought to do this with peacock spiders that you know of? Uh, yes, so some of my colleagues overseas have been studying um, peacock spider vision and the structure of their scales. Um, so that, a lot of this is still a work in progress, but uh, there was some recent work published on the nanostructures of these peacock spider scales and uh, how they are able to produce their color when, when light is reflected on them. Um, so it, it's a lot of really, really interesting stuff. Do you have any idea what they found so far? I understand these aren't reported yet, but do you have any clues where 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 that's going? Uh, honestly, I'm not too sure um, about what they found. My my, as you know, my main interest is in the uh, taxonomy and systematics of them. But um, yeah, I'm, when their work is published, I'm definitely going to be very keen to uh, to hear about their findings. And additionally, one of the other characters that gets used in addition to these colorations is the behavior, and you you document some of the behavior in this. Tell us a little bit about the specific behavior. How does the behavior of Nemo differ from some of the other species that make it distinct, just in what the males and the females are doing? You, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Let's get a little more specific with it. Yeah, so um, Muratus Nemo courts only using its third pair of legs and not raising its abdomen, but vibrating it on the surface that it is standing on. Um, 
So lots of other peacock spiders rely a lot on the uh, on the coloration and um, patterning on the epistosoma or the abdomen. Um, so when they raise it and they raise their epistosomal flaps, they they can wave them around. Um, some of them have really, really strange twisting motions and then others wave them really, really fast. But Nemo is quite different because it basically doesn't use its abdomen at all in the courtship display apart from the vibrations. How much of this do you think might have something to do with the habitat that it's found in? If it's found in this uh, ephemeral wetland area, uh, do you think that has something to do with maybe the way the, the visuals carry through there or just the habitat structure, that sort of thing, it may have something to do with it? Uh, it, it may, although um, some other peacock spiders which have been found in quite different habitats have also um, sort of lost the coloration on the epistosoma and rely entirely on uh, visual cues from the face. So another species, Maratus personatus, which, which lives in Western Australia, um, that species also has a brown abdomen and a blue face um, and only uses its third pair of legs during its courtship display. Um, so I think this is just, my guess would be that it's a result of sexual selection um, and just female preference um, for male ornamentation. So this seems like a trait that's evolved a few times independently, um, the epistosomal color loss. And for some reason, some females just like a colorful face but a boring booty. Why is it important, do you think, for people to know about these? In Australia, they've become almost a bit of um, a celebrity for the, the population of, of Australia. Why do you think it's important for them to know about it, people there? And why do you think it's important for others to know about these things? Um, well, I think it's really important that people know about them because they're quite cute for spiders and it gets people interested and involved um, with spiders. So, as you know, spiders have a massive role they perform ecologically and uh, if people are scared of them and they're squashing every single one that they find, it's not a very good thing. So, if people can relate to these spiders a little bit more because we have a cute group of them, um, it's really beneficial. Um, and, yeah, also, they're really, really range-restricted, some of these. So it's possible that they could be threats to their um, conservation status. So if the more we know about them, the more we can uh, comment on their conservation status and the roles that they perform ecologically. Um, and we're more able to protect them if people care about them. And we can make our legislators know about those things and put a name on things, right? I believe you have referenced this in another interview I saw you do where you talk about getting a name on these things makes it easier for us to say something to to legislators for protecting habitat, right? Yeah, certainly. Um, it, it's all well and good if we have um, species that exist that are uh, threatened or vulnerable or anything. Um, but if we don't know what they are, where they occur, um, and how to differentiate them from other species, there's really... Um, there's, there's no use in trying to make an effort to protect them because we don't know what we're protecting and how to protect it. And one of the great things about jumping spiders in general is that they're very charismatic spiders anyway. We get these in uh, all six of the main continents outside of Antarctica, and uh, they range quite a bit in size, just the entire family. It's the largest family of spiders, uh, well over 5,000 species, and just in the one family of spiders. And they're very, they range from very charismatic and large to quite small. And most people who see them always find them to be cute. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's because they've got these really cute little faces with um, massive forward-facing eyes. Uh, so they're, they're quite nice to look at. And they're, 
they're not as terrifying as um, a big hair, hairy spider that's going to be running at a million miles an hour. Um, they sort of just hop around and are quite curious um, looking. Yeah, and probably a little friendlier than the huntsmans you get there in Australia. Many of the people here in North America have probably seen videos of these things where they're the size of small dinner plates hanging out on a ceiling and some somebody thinks it's a good idea to try to capture it in a bucket and then it falls on them. Uh, the famous YouTube videos, of course. Yes, that's right. So yeah, a huntsman's, um, they are quite scary to most people. In fact, I would probably get a little bit of a fright if I one caught me off guard, but um, they are quite harmless, and they're they're just happy to mind their own business. They're not going to they're not going to attack us or anything. Um, no, they're pretty docile, right? They're pretty laid back spiders overall, unless you really go to start messing with them, right? Yeah, um, I've I've actually handled quite a few, and they're happy to just crawl around on you, um, which I'm sure a lot of people would uh, cringe at. But yeah, I, I quite like them. Yeah, they're very handsome spiders. I mean, I. I it takes two arachnologists to call a huntsman handsome, I think, to some people. Uh, others will agree with this, but I think the majority of people don't. But I think that's just lack of understanding. Yeah, and I think the more that people are able to appreciate something like a jumping spider, um, the more willing perhaps they'll be to eventually accept something like a huntsman spider, for example. Right, and these things all play important roles in our in our world. Uh, as you'd already mentioned, as many of our guests have mentioned, for a lot of our different kinds of species that we talk about on here, they're important for, of course, for pest control, uh, for pollination, for econ- economics in many other ways. We don't go around eating spiders, but there are other invertebrates that do get eaten pretty regularly throughout the world. And I don't know, I think we need a greater appreciation of all of these things, right? Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, as you said, there are a number of... Um agricultural applications and also medical applications people are using their their venom to um create medicines and to create um natural pesticides so i, I think if we look at it from a um a human centric perspective um we can we can see the value that these animals provide and not not only to us arachnologists who like them because we like them um, but also to humans globally and on that note Joseph, I I know that you've got a lot to do, and I'm catching you at the beginning of your day. And because we are 16 hours apart, it's it's tomorrow (laughs) there for me. Uh, And I'm getting to the end of my day. I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's a real treat. And peacock spiders, like all arachnologists, of course, they carry a little special place in my heart just because they, they are so fascinating. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate you talking about this new species. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Be sure to follow New Species on Twitter, at Podcast Species. And like the podcast on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash New Species Podcast. And if you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash New Species Podcast.